The Gospel Shaped Home Podcast is a family discipleship resource from Providence Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina that aims to equip you and your family to be on mission with God to the end of the street and the ends of the earth. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Gospel Shaped Home Podcast. My name is Jarek Oxenine. I serve as a student pastor here at Providence. Today, I am joined with Daniel Savage, our discipleship pastor, and Scott Reiner, our kids pastor. So this past weekend, Brittany and I traveled to visit family, and typically every time we travel, we both have a favorite road trip snack and drink. Which got me to thinking, I'm curious, Daniel, what is your go-to drink and snack for road trips? Mm. My go-to snack is peanut M&M's. And my go-to drink is, well, these days, Coke Zero. That's like my new jam. That's my thing. Did you ever put peanuts in your, like, you know how some people put the peanuts in their drink? No, that's like a country North Carolina thing to do. <laughs> Southern thing. <laughs> okay. Scott, what about you? Scott, what about you? Um, peanut butter M&M's. Uh-huh. Always the peanut butter and a diet Mountain Dew, like okay. fountain drink, not like a 20 ounce bottle. Like You're trying to save some money? Trying to save some money. Styrofoam <laughs> cup. Like, gotta have the big ice. Difference. Big, big yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> They don't have 7-Elevens around here, unfortunately, but... Yeah. Mine is a Payday, the Payday Bar, okay. and then Mountain yep. Dew. So that's what I get pretty much almost all the time. Probably not good to take road trips like that. Yeah, no, you should not take many road trips. <laughs> yeah. that's what my you, fun thing about those, when I, when I get these at like a convenience store, like I always pay with my leftover change that's in our car. Like mm. never cash or card, like... I, so it's yeah, like it's, it's like free. it's free. I have to scrape up all the nickels and dimes that, that cashier we have. Hates you. Oh, they do. I literally will walk up and I'll drop them like a wad of change, and I'll be like, "Trust me, it's a dollar nineteen. <laughs> and they'll just like look at it and be yeah, like, "Okay, they don't go." Count. <laughs> they don't count. That's awesome. Okay, well, we are continuing to discuss our sermon series on raising kids, and if you missed any of the sermons, you can go to pray.org to watch and listen to them. Uh, but today we'll focus on week three, titled "What." All kids need. And our passage we study was from Mark 10, uh, verses 13 through 16, which says this And they were bringing the children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And so Brian broke down this text into three points. Uh, first one is Jesus identified babies as being part of his kingdom. Second one, Jesus said that we must receive his kingdom like a child. And third one, Jesus provided just what children need. And so what we're going to do is spend some time uh, just highlighting some truths that stuck out to us. And Scott, I'm going to go to you first, man. Um, thinking about this sermon, thinking about this text what what uh, stuck out to you? Uh, yeah, the point, come to Christ the way a child comes to their mom and dad, that was just, that whole idea is really powerful to me, I think, in this stage and season of parenting with kids who constantly, especially with a two-year-old who like kind of knows what they're doing, but it's full of needs. 
Like it's just a powerful thought. So Tim Keller's got a great line that it made me think of that says that the only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. We have that kind of access. And it made me think of Colossians 2. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And so just this idea that, you know, kids, they don't care like if their knee is scraped or bruised or they're hungry like my two-year-old like knows that I'm his daddy and he's going to come to me pitif- pity- pitiful. I have a tough time pronouncing words on pitiful. here. <laughs> and pathetic a lot of times. Like he is of full time. of need and all he knows is daddy can meet my need. Daddy can give me what I want. Daddy's going to console me. Daddy's going to comfort me. Yeah. It doesn't matter that I'm crying or whiny. Like daddy's what I need. And that's just a lot of times not how we relate to God and think of God. Like we think we got to clean ourselves up first. Mm-hmm you know, put on a good show, like, oh, I just, I need to say all the right things and, you know, not sin for a day before I can approach the throne of God and pray to him. And, and that's not true. Like just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, walk in him. So how do we receive Christ Jesus as Lord? We come to him and say, Jesus, we're a sinner. We confess our sins and we believe that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's how we continue to walk in him as Colossians two says. And so having small children, like you see that picture over and over and over again, daddy tells, I tell my kids how to do it right. And then a couple of days later, they still do it wrong and they come to me and what do I do? I take them in my arms, take them in my arms and say, daddy loves you. Daddy will meet your need. Daddy will care for you, comfort you. Like it doesn't matter that they got it wrong again because I love them and I know that they're two and they're three and they're four and yeah, so just a powerful imagery of how we need to relate to God, um, that we come to Christ the way a child comes to their mom and dad. And so having small kids, that just really sticks out to me. I love that. Yeah, it makes me think of the humility um, that a child comes with. Like there's no pride in, or there's no pretension. Like they're totally fine with the idea that they need help. You know, and, and we lose that as we get older and we begin to think, I've got to stand on my own two feet. I've got to be able to do it myself. I need to carry my own weight. And a child has none of those feelings. Like um, they're completely dependent. They're well aware of it. They embrace it. They have no qualms with it. Like it's just who they are. They are humble and needy. And they know that the help is available in their parent. And so that's where they go. And that is such a good picture for us as believers. That should be our mentality that I am uh, dependent and needy. I know it. I embrace it and I'm okay with it because I have a resource. And that resource is God, the father uh, that I can always go to who promises to always be there for me. And, you know, even over the last couple of days, I've caught myself um, not wanting to come with that humility, but wanting to be more self-sufficient. And I have to die to that. I have to humble myself and say, no, I need the Lord to sustain me every day. And he will. Uh, and there's, there's a joy in that if I will embrace it um, and come like a yeah. child. I think a lot about, you know, this, we t- I talk with people about modeling, being transparent and vulnerable in relationships and in our culture of pride and success, like weakness is like a bad thing. Like we have to cover our weaknesses. We have to hide our weaknesses and show off that we're strong and we're capable and we've got it all together. And like our kids don't do that at all. They're like, I don't, I can't do it. Like, and they literally can't and they're okay with that. And yeah, Daniel, to your point, like that's 
if we try to come to God and say, God, I got it together. Like, take me as I am. Like, no, like he's, it's Christ changing us. Like we're weak and broken and we need help. Yeah. And so you have the image of the child coming to the father, like Scott, you use your example, your son coming to you and you have your arms open. I think that's what we see even in verse 16, where it says, Jesus, he took them in his arms. So that warm embrace blessed them, laying his hands on them. And so this idea of desiring for the children to come, which again, he says for such to such belongs the kingdom of God. And I think the big point that stuck out to me was Brian's uh, third point where uh, he said, Jesus provided just what the children uh, need. And so ultimately we see this verse is modeling how Jesus is an example of care for the kids. And Brian had talked about three different practical um, uh, applications for us, which I feel like is some that I want to spend time on. But he says, kids need touch, kids need time, and then kids need blessing. And I love this because last week, Brian highlighted, hey, rules without relationship brings rebellion. But these three touch, time, and blessing, I think, uh, is uh, categories which build into that relationship, which then builds trust and authority. Um, and so I just want to ask uh, the questions to you guys. When you think about first, let's just look at that first um, subcategory. Kids need touch. How do we show love and affection um, through touch? Maybe what are some ideas that you have from your own family or that Brian um, uh, highlighted that are so valuable in the relationship with um, your son and daughter? And I'll answer these too. I just want to start with you. Uh, well, I'll start. Um, as Brian was talking about that, you know, appropriate touch, um, thinking about, you know, the differences of boys and girls and, and then kids as they age. Uh, that was hitting home with me. I've got three kids, two boys and a girl, and they're 13, 11, and 9. And so I was really, I was re- sitting there reflecting on the differences between how I relate to each one and the kind of physical touch in our relationship and how, um, as my boys are getting older, I can see it tapering off, um, that, you know, they're, they're not going to come and sit on my lap anymore. Uh, they're not going to you know, do some of the things that they used to do when they were smaller. And so just, I'm, I was sitting there reflecting on, okay, uh, I, I see that need. Um, even my 13 year old, I think he needs physical touch. And so just the, how do I, what does that look like? How do I do that as a dad, uh, as he's, you know, going to continue to grow, continue to get bigger. And it made me think of, um, you know, I'm now I'm 40 years old and I was thinking about how, when I go home to see my parents, my dad wraps me up in a big hug. Um, that's still meaningful to me. And that, um, I can't, I, I have trouble even kind of articulating, uh, how much that means to me, but there is an affirmation yeah. there. There is, uh, an expression of care and affection that I still receive as an adult man. And so just thinking about that with my boys, like I, I, I want to do that and I want them to have memories of me embracing them. And when I'm proud of them, not just saying I'm proud, but giving them a hug and, um, or coming up next to them and putting my arm around them, that, that sort of affirming um, physical touch and just thinking about how that's going to change. That's, so that's what I was thinking about and just wanting to be real intentional, uh, not to let that slip because it's not necessarily, 
um, you know, they're not like jumping up at me for physical touch anymore. I'm going to have to be more intentional about it. So that was kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. So even though you never, uh, you know, it might change in how uh, your son and daughter might receive it, but uh, it never stops the purpose that we all need it. And I think that's what Brian was pointing to. Like we need that affection, love and acceptance, that warm embrace. Because if we're not experiencing that, like Scott, you were just talking about the example of your son of like, imagine he would come to you, but you're just like giving the cold shoulder. Like that warm embrace allows for uh, whether it's a hug or a kiss or um, just sitting near. I think it provides that, oh, I'm with my daddy. And that builds just a relationship, even with thinking about this idea of of touch. And like you said, it's not just with girls because I only have Abby Grace and I'm kissing all of her, hugging her all the time. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, would I do the same thing with my son? Uh, and no matter what, both need to experience that affection from their parents across the board. Um, so the second one uh, was kids need time. And I want to ask the question to you guys, how do we leverage your time more effectively uh, when it comes to thinking about um, what our children's need. So Brian said, Hey, this idea of investment and priority and a big phrase that he communicated time communicates priority. So how do we leverage our time more effectively when he thinks about our children need time with us? I think the other thing we talk about a lot as part of our kind of framework for family discipleship is that discipleship takes time. Yeah. That's right. A process. We, we talk about a lot of our these big rock things that we want to mm -hmm. have conversations about, like none of them are these one-off conversations, which I feel like that's what I more or less experienced growing up. Like we're going to have a talk about sex and we're going to be done. We're going to have a talk about, you know, inviting Jesus into our heart and we're going to be done. Like those things don't actually, they're good, but they require time. You need to have multiple conversations, multiple investments. Like, our kids don't get things just from being told one time. We have to yeah. say them over and over and over again. So I think one, you know, time is important because it applies to being an effective disciple maker that you just, you need time in the Bible to grow personally. You need time with a friend to get to know them. And mm -hmm. so our kids are no different. So then it practically, I think this plays out just in our culture and in the busyness yeah. of family schedules and yeah. rhythms Like you have to be intentional to find time and looking at your schedule and figuring out like, where can I eliminate things and what kind of things am I doing? Do they actually provide me having time with my kids or are we just jumping from activity to activity yeah. where you're not actually able to create that time? Yeah. It makes me think of two things. Um, first, when I am with my kids, am I all there? Um, so it's really easy to be distracted, to be thinking about other things or to be on the phone or to be on the computer, um, you know, cause they're not always doing something that I'm necessarily interested in. Um, they could be doing something and I feel like I can sort of be in the background, but it, it makes a difference when I'm present. And so when I'm fully engaged, fully involved, that's the first thing. The second thing is really thinking about um, that unstructured time and just spending time. Like as my, as my kids are getting older, especially the boys, um, realizing that time spent with them is becoming more and more important. And, um, it's, it's taking on different shapes. It's so it's like, you know, 
I think sometimes we feel like, well, the time isn't meaningful unless we're having kind of an in-depth conversation when in reality it means something to my boys when I, we just listen to music in the car together or we go play uh, basketball together or we, we do something and there's, that's an investment of time. It's relationship building. We're we're sharing experiences and we're doing things together. uh, And all of that is valuable and um, provides that foundation of relationship that Brian was talking about last week, that, that context of relationship where when I do need to give a heavy word or I do need to lay down instruction, um, that it's, it's in an environment of relationship where we've laughed together, we've experienced things together. Um, we, yeah, yeah, we have these kind of common bonds over things that we've done because I've invested the time. So that, that's kind of two thoughts that I had about it. As long as it's, uh, you know, the purposeful activity and engaging versus just allowing that time to just fleet away and not spending time with your kids. Cause like we could be doing like Scott, you said that our schedules, we could have a lot of busyness in our schedules, but it not be meaningful and geared towards our kids uh, to where, you know, that's not leveraging your time and your kids are getting your leftovers um, from the rest of your day versus being a priority. And again, that time communicates priority, which is what he's saying. Like, yeah. do your kids feel like they're a priority in your life by the way you spend time with them? Sometimes, yeah. that, well, and sometimes that, that I, I, I just like, sometimes that looks a little different than what you would imagine. Um, you know, like playing a video game with my two boys, I, I would not choose to do that. I don't, that's not like, <laughs> whatever. whatever. I know you're yeah, a gamer. Like, <laughs> hey, man, I hope I get to spend some time playing I saw you in Fortnite. But, but playing with them means something yeah, to them, does. you know, and, and, it, and it's, it's, you can see it when, when I jump into a game with them, oh, dad's here. Um, <laughs> yeah, dad's, dad's playing with us. This is so exciting. You know, it's like, well, I don't know why it's exciting. I'm not very good at it, but they yeah. think it's really fun. So that's, that's one of those meaningful experiences that is pretty worthless, but it means something because they think it means something. So it's a good I think what I've experienced, I have a couple of thoughts is a lot of times we like, drag our kids along to things like mommy and daddy have to do this. And especially for my kids, it's like we're just dragging them along. Cause like they just have to come. And so looking for, well, let's do things as much as we can, where we're able to create meaningful time in a relationship. Even if it's something that I have to do, like my kids are going to come and like, how can I invest that? So like a practical way for me, like as much as I can one, because it serves Mary, but also it's like, all right, if I have to be at church early for something, like, can I take a kid or kid. two with me? Yeah. And I'm coming anyway. They're coming eventually like along the way. So like, yeah. like Audrey like was with me at church this past week early. Like she didn't have to do that, but she was ready to go and willing. And like, it wasn't really anything extra for me to do. And like, my hope is like that little bit of time that I was able to have just with her, like was, was quality and beneficial for her. The other thing I've thought about, and this is just a wisdom issue is it's this idea of how often like you get a babysitter to watch your kids. And I just think it's a, it's a easy temptation for some people to be like, I'm doing all these things. Like, let me just get somebody to watch my kids over and over and over again. Um, and it's just a reality that I've observed with that's just, it requires, requires wisdom to think about like, when are the appropriate times to outsource childcare to your kids and when they're not, that that's a good thing to do. Cause like date nights are a good thing and yeah. there's benefit in doing them. But do you do that so much and so willingly that you're losing opportunities? It's the whole idea. When you say no to one thing, 
you're say, when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to another thing. And so if you're saying yes to all these other things, you may be saying no to time with your kids. So he talked about touch and he talked about time. And then the last one, um, he said blessing, but essentially that's asking, uh, that's summarizing. How do we speak to our children, whether we're building them up or tearing them down? So, you know, negative, uh, yeah, I feel like there could be sarcasm. I feel like there could be talking at versus talking with. We talked last time about provoking, like what are the things that we might say that might provoke a child to anger? Um, but what do you think, um, as you think about, uh, you know, this idea of encouraging and being a blessing, building up, you know, how can we speak, uh, encouragement and truth into, um, our kids? The only thing I thought about this, I've already referenced one New York city pastor in this episode. Uh, (laughs) another guy that I've, I've been influenced a lot by recently, a guy by name, John Tyson, pastor in New York city. He's got a book that came out last year called the intentional father, a practical guide to raise sons of courage and character. Uh, John Tyson, it's a great resource. Father's day is coming up, uh, when you listen to this episode. And so that would be something that you maybe want to get a dad or a man in your life. But he talks about, uh, God, the father talking to Jesus at his baptism and he, Jesus is told, this is my beloved son whom I love yeah. with him. I am well pleased. Yeah. I told this to Jarek last week. Yeah, and I'm so John Tyson talks about, we need to constantly be blessing our kids. And he uses, uh, that text to talk about our kids need acceptance, affection, and affirmation, which kind of summarize a lot of what Brian was talking about here, that this is my son. That's acceptance, whom I love, that's affection, with whom I am well pleased, that's affirmation. Mm-hmm. And over and over and over again, we need to bless our kids by just telling them that we're proud of them, yeah. by accepting them, showing them affection, and affirming who they are. Yeah. I think that's really good. Um, I couldn't really improve on that other than just to like thinking about practically how do you do that? You know, how do you affirm? How do you, for me, it's trying to pick out things that I notice that they're doing well and, and verbalizing it. Um, Hey, you're doing that really well. I've really seen you excel in this area. Um, I'm really proud of you and the effort that you're putting in into this, or I see your hard work and how it's paying off. So those kinds of things. And then even, you know, as they're getting older, beginning to talk with them about, um, you know, their future and their gifts and abilities and stewardship. And like, God has given you a gift in that. And you should, you should think about how to steward that. What does that mean? And, um, I think all those things are life giving and, um, you know, trying to, um, you know, Brian talked about, you know, I see in you that you're a leader, you know, that, that kind of thing. I see in you that you're gifted in this area. Uh, so just verbalizing those things and affirming them, I think those things mean the world and probably more than I realize. Um, and so just trying to speak life into them in those ways. And then, of course, um, when it, talking about pouring truth over them, that was a phrase he used, um, just consistently pointing them to Christ and the greater realities of um, eternity. You can do that in your prayers. You can do that, um, you know, in, in telling them good night at night, reminding them of what's most important, those little times to, to kind of highlight you know, those big truths. Yeah, and I'm thankful for Brian, how he ended, you know, all of this combined together to lead to an end goal that he shared with him and his son, Caleb, of after the many Sundays of breakfast, speaking into his life of what a godly man is and what it looks like and how he would uh, affirm that in his son. Then finally, before Caleb goes off to uh, the Marines, he sits Brian down to read 
to re- reiterate and summarize everything that his dad had told him over the many Sundays. And I, I think that's just the, the powerful moment um, that every parent longs for, but by the grace of God that Brian got to experience the fruit of his labor and investment. Uh, so recognizing the touch, the time and, and speaking affirmation uh, that kids need, but to know that there is an end goal and there is a response that we're praying that the Lord will allow us to see and, and reap uh, in fruit. Um, so, well, uh, thank cool. you for tuning in and listening today. We have one more week of this sermon series, and we pray that these uh, truths and applications continue to bless and encourage you. It's our joy as a family discipleship team uh, to partner with you in this. And so we hope you will join in next week as we continue our discussion on raising kids. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Shaped Home Podcast produced by Providence Baptist Church of Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and resources from Providence, visit us online at pray.org. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts.